0: Well, good
1: morning. It's good to see you here this morning as we've gathered to worship our God together. On the back of your bulletins are the announcements. Uh, Please read through them. Uh, We will have an afternoon service about 1.45, and Micah Smith will be opening the Word of God to us in that service. Uh, The rest of the announcements are pretty self-explanatory, but I do need to announce that the testimony of Micah and Kelsey Smith are on the back table. So members of the church, please pick one of those up. Read them. Uh, They desire to commit themselves to this assembly. And um, if you have any questions with regard to their testimony, please see them. And if it goes unanswered or you need a little help in, in dealing with something, then you can come see me. But please start by seeing them and then see me. But uh, we look forward to bringing them into membership here in the next couple of weeks. But please take heed to that. Well, that's that's all the announcements that I have for you this morning. As we worship our God together, I want you to consider with me what is your identity. We seem to be living in a time in which there is some confusion with regard to a person's identity but but in Christ Jesus who are you Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 the apostle Paul reminds Titus of his identification and he says this that his identification is found in Jesus Christ who gave Himself to redeem us from every lawless deeds and to purify to Himself a people for His own possession, zealous of good works. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of God. I am am His possession. And we'll be reminded of that throughout the service this morning. But I want you to pray and ask God to help you to consider seriously who you are in Jesus Christ. Let's, let's go to God in prayer silently. Inside your bulletin is the call to worship. It comes from the very text that we considered together by way of bringing us to our worship service this morning. And so in this responsive reading, again, we're reminded of what the Apostle Paul told Titus. Will you stand with me and let us call one another to worship with this responsibility? With this response of reading, not responsibility, responsive reading. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. us to deny and desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the age. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. the reason we can identify ourselves is God's possessions is because of God's great love. It's not because of anything that's found within us, but because of God's love set upon us. And with that in mind, take your hymns of grace and turn to number 80 in the hymns of grace. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. Number 80 in the hymns of grace.
0: together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this, uh, the Lord's Day, and we ask now that you would prepare our hearts to worship you according to your word. We praise you, Father, for your holiness. We praise you for your loving kindnesses. We praise you, Father, for your patience we praise You for Your faithfulness. Father, we thank You for the abundance of blessings that You have showered upon us. We thank You, Lord, for our families. We thank You for our church. But most of all, we, pr- we give thanks to You, our great Redeemer, who has paid the price, has paid the heavy cost of our sins, and has granted us freedom by your grace and by your mercy. Mm -hmm. Father, we confess that we have sinned against you and we ask you now to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We pray, Father, that you would help us to stand firm and to resist the, the devil and that he would flee from us we pray, Father, for those who are hindered from being with us this morning and ask that that uh, You would draw near unto them and their situation and beds of sickness and various uh, hindrances that um, we just ask, Lord, that uh, You would bless them, that You would meet their deepest needs, and that You would bring them back to us soon. We pray, Father, that that uh, Your power and, and the love of Your presence would fill this place. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Amen. You may be seated. Now take your Trinity hymn books and turn with me to 599 a hymn which speaks of that glorious hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And that day when we shall see him face to face. 599. Trinity Hymn Book.
0: Please turn in your Bibles to Dr. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, and beginning at verse 35 to the end of the chapter. Being that we read the first half of chapter 12 last week, um, just to summarize what uh, we have read already, um, in chapter. 12, the first uh, 34 verses last week, we we saw our Lord's teaching of the parable of the rich fool and how he star, uh, how he stored up treasures for himself, but was not rich towards God. And Jesus taught his followers to seek first the kingdom of heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this week. Uh, we read of Christ's warnings connected with the second coming. And Jesus teaches that he came not to bring peace on earth, but a sword. He he came to bring division. Uh, He was a divider of men. So beginning at at, uh, verse 35, please follow along. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, Are you addressing the parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and eat and drink and and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers." And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And he was also saying to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say it will be a hot day, and it turns out that way. You hypocrites. You know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? And why do you not, even on your own initiative, judge what is right? For while you were going with your opponent to appear before the magistrate on your way there, make an effort to settle with him so that he may not drag you before the judges and the judge turn you over to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. I say to you, you will not get out of there until you have paid the very last cent.
1: As again this morning, we come to seek our God together in prayer. We especially want to remember the Sovereign Grace Church in Auckland, New Zealand with Pastor Bala, not only for the ministry that he has there as a pastor to the people of God of the Sovereign Grace Church, but also the other opportunities of ministry that our brother has with Tamil speaking people. So let us seek our God together in prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we have been reminded this morning in the reading of Your Word of the importance and the priority that it ought to be in our lives of being ready for our Savior's return. No one knows the day or the hour. No one knows when He shall come. But Father, how we pray that we would make it our business to be ready for that day. And Father, we look forward to that day. We we earnestly desire that day when You, as it were, shall bring an end to this earth and this world in which we now live in and will create a new heavens and a new earth where no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, No more disappointment. But a day in which we will give You glory and honor as we live in Your presence. And to be able to do that without distraction or or without sin. No decay of the body. No defilement of sin. Oh, Father, come quickly. And yet, Father, we pray that You would have mercy for there are many who know You not. And that will be a day of great reckoning. It will be a day of unquenchable fire, pain, and torture for those without Christ. And so, Father, we pray that as we live in this present world, we might diligently proclaim the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For for it is man's only hope. That there's not a single man living on this earth who is worthy of heaven. There's not a single individual around us who deserves to be in Your presence. And yet, we give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price, who took the wounds that we deserved that we might be reconciled to God. We thank you for his willingness to die on the cross, take the punishment for our sins, but but how thankful we are that he was resurrected from the dead. And he now lives. To make intercession for us. Father Jesus Christ is the only way in which a man can be reconciled to God. And, And therefore we pray that we might be bold in our witness. and That Father you might be pleased to bless and bring men to faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would bless the labors of the Sovereign Grace Church there in Auckland, New Zealand. We thank you for them and their many years of laboring faithfully for the advancement of the gospel. We thank you for that congregation and even their willingness at times to deny themselves and give up their pastor so that he might minister to people around the world who speak the Tamil language. Father, we pray that your blessing would rest upon that congregation, that Father, you would draw near to them each time that they gather to worship you. May you use them for the advancement of your kingdom. Father, we think of other opportunities that Pastor Bala has. We think of the ministry there in India and pray that you'll continue to bless that and use him as he seeks to be a faithful steward in instructing others in the things of God. We, we pray that you would bless their literature ministry as the magazine, the Bible lamp goes around the world setting forth the gospel other literature opportunities that they have among the Tamil-speaking people around the world. Use that and bless, we pray. Father, we would also pray this morning that you would be with Pastor Bala's wife. We know that she has health concerns and in all likelihood will be having surgery in the very near future. We pray that that would be a means to bring a remedy to those concerns. And so help Pastor Bala to love his wife and to care for her during these days. And now, Father, as we consider our time of looking into the Word of God, we would acknowledge our need of Your Spirit and so we pray that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and make it effective. Use it, we pray, to bring glory and honor to Your name as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now before we come to open the Word of God, take your Trinity hymn books once again, turning to 446. 446, a hymn that comes from the first psalm and speaks of the man who will be blessed is one who fears God and seeks to restrain his feet from sin. 446 in the Trinity Hymn Book. If you're able, will you please stand with me as we sing? be seated. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26. I seem to be having a little trouble with my microphone, so let me adjust whatever is going on back here. Ah! Caught on my coat. Bucket. This morning we come to the conclusion of the bulk of Moses' message to the people of God as they're about ready to enter into uh, the promised land starting back in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy and now going through the end of chapter 26, Moses has been giving an exposition of the ten words or the ten commandments which were first given to the children of Israel out Mount Sinai. And then Moses now repeats those commandments in chapter 5 to the children of God, most of them either were not yet born when they left Egypt or were just young children when they left Egypt. And he's been expositing those 10 words to the people of God. And this morning we come to the conclusion now what's interesting about the conclusion is it's much like what he started the message with. If you go back to chapter 5 and verse 1, you will find that what he exhorted them then is what he now exhorts them again. He appeals to the children of Israel to love And to obey the God who brought them out of bondage and is about to give them the land that He promised to their fathers long ago. And so here in verse 16, He gives them this word of exhortation. This day... The Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and these ordinances. You shall be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. The the commandments that I have just expounded were given to you by your God. And you're to do them with your heart and with your soul. I would imagine that Moses had hoped that these individuals would now have a better understanding of what these commandments mean and therefore what their God expects of them when they go into the promised land. They're to do them with all their heart. He wanted them to be a people whose minds were not only informed, but He wanted them to be a people whose lives would be distinct from all the others who at this point occupied the land. He he wanted their lives to be marked by a a sincere love to the true and living God and to one another. And so he exhorts them, you shall therefore be careful to do them. Moses did not want to see the children of Israel fall prey to the reoccurring danger which the Scriptures warn us about. And in particular, James writes about when he says this, prove yourselves to be doers of the Word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Be doers of the Word and not mere hearers. And so now, in this passage of Scripture, Moses calls upon his hearers to respond with gratitude that is renewed by God's grace. You are God's chosen people. Chosen by His grace. Now live as such. And and here in verses 17 to 19, there are two declarations made. Some have called this a... Recommitment to the covenant between God and His people. You know, sometimes when people have been married for a while, maybe at 25 years, maybe at 40 years, maybe at 50 years, they they have what they might call a marriage marriage of recommitment to one another. And and they have this ceremony where where they, in front of others, again repeat the vows that they made to each other 50 years ago. Well here, Moses, we might say, is having a a recommitment to the covenant between God and His people with these two declarations which both promote and affirm the covenant between Yahweh and the children of Israel. One man has said, It is possible that these declarations were drafted for us at the covenant renewal ceremony over which Moses pre- presided. On the plains of Moab, they, they repeat the same promises made at Mount Sinai. In, in Exodus chapter 24, Moses takes the, the book of the covenant there at Mount Sinai. And he reads it in the hearing of all the people. And the people we read says, say this. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. Well, that's what they're declaring once again. Some 40 years later, that they're making that same declaration. And so as we come to open up verses 17 through verse 19, we will see these two declarations. The declaration made by the people of God and the declaration made by the God of His people. So we have the declaration made by the people of God, verse 17, and we have the declaration made by God, verses 18 and 19. So let's unpack them together. First of all, We have the declaration made by the people of God. Notice what we read there in verse 17. You have today declared the Lord to be your God and that you would walk in His ways and keep His statutes and His commandments and His ordinances And listen to His voice. You have today declared that that Yahweh is your God. And and with this declaration, Israel is professing their commitment, their loyalty, their, their devotion to God. Yahweh is our God. This declaration is an affirmation of who Yahweh is to them. He is our God. This declaration commits them to a life that is dominated by Yahweh. It is of no value for Israel to profess Yahweh to be their God if they are unwilling to submit to Him. If they're unwilling to submit to His claims, to His commands, to His authority over their life. Yahweh is our God The Lord has spoken. He he has told us how we're to live. And we should respond immediately. Today. Today. This day. And we're to respond sincerely. We're, We're to do it with all of our hearts and with all of our souls. This devotion is to be complete. It's to be full. It's not a devotion that's half-hearted. It's not a devotion that is questionable. It is not a devotion that's hypocritical. We are committed to Jehovah. And then with that declaration, Jehovah is our God there is a proper reaction. Since Jehovah is our God, He'll have an effect upon how we live. We will take heed to His Word. Obey it. Therefore, we will be diligent to listen. And these are the three marks of one who is devoted to Yahweh. First of all, they say, we will walk in His way. This points to the conduct of life to their behavior. They're, they're, they're declaring that, that our lives will be dedicated to God's way. We're not living to ourselves. We're not going to live to what is popular. We're not even going to live by everything that is is accepted in our society We are going to live our lives according to God's way. How you live is really what you believe. You may talk well. but not live that way. You may mentally understand God's way, but not live that way. You may have memorized, even by way of catechism, to what God's ways are. And yet, not live that way. Someone has said, how you live is really what you believe. And everything else is but religious babble. Just religious talk. You can talk religious. I've met many a person who who can talk religion. But the life they live is contrary to that. We live in a time and in a society in which there are many professors of faith, that there are many who say they are Christians, that they are the children of God, They may go to church. They may have five Bibles on a shelf. But their behavior, their actions, their conduct, their way of life is contrary to the ways of God. people of God here are making a declaration. And the declaration isn't, listen, it's important how we talk, or it's important how we think, or it's important what we know. But what they're saying is this, it is important how we live. We've known the grace of God Out of all the peoples, He has chosen us. And our lives are to be marked by a distinction in how we live. So by God's goodness and grace, we are going to behave and conduct ourselves according to the ways of God. They are declaring that their lives will match what they've declared. Yahweh is our God. And our lives match that very declaration. Mr. Spurgeon says, Let not a child, let not a child of God so walk as to bring disgrace upon their Lord. Let not the child of God so walk as to bring disgrace upon their lords. Let me ask you a question. As those who declare that Yahweh is your God, what does your conduct say about Yahweh? What does my conduct, what does my behavior, what does my lifestyle say about Yahweh? That's a challenging question. But not only are they saying we will walk in His ways, but secondly they say will walk in His ways by keeping His statutes, His commandments, His ordinances. He's saying their lives are going to be marked by obedience. We will do as we declared. We will be careful to do them. The disposition that, that they are owning or, or embracing is, is one of obedience. I, I want to be obedient to God. To His law. I, I love the law of God. That's, that's David's confession. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation day and night. How did that happen? By the grace of God. The grace of God has has brought a a new delight in in God's law, in His ordinances, in His judgments. And and we want to be obedient to them. I want to be diligent in living a life of, of good works that are pleasing to Yahweh. I do not enter into a relationship with Yahweh by my good works, but by God's grace in my life, I I am diligently seeking to have my life marked by good works. Our confession says the good works done in obedience to God's commands are the fruit and the evidences of a true and lively faith. Demonstrating I have a true faith is seen in obedience to God's command. Pastor Waldron, in his book on this 1689 confession, says this, Good works are those works that conform to the law of God as revealed in Scripture. What does God's Word say? What does God's Word direct me to do as an employee? What, what does God's Word direct me to do as a citizen? What, what does God's Word direct me? How does, it, how does it direct me to live as a husband? What does God's Word say with regard to what I should be as a father? What does God's Word have to say with regard to being a churchman? In all these areas of my life, it is the Word of God that ought to be that which directs my behavior. So by God's grace and by His Spirit at work in my life, He's given me an appetite to be obedient to the law of God. That's the evidence that, that there's true faith in the life of an individual. Well, well, how, how do I know what God's laws are? Well, Moses says that their profession also included listening to His voice. Listening to His voice. I mean, it's almost as though Moses... You want to say Moses, that's that's reverse the order. But Moses begins by your life. And what does your life look like? And your life ought to have a, a a certain... direction to it because you want to obey God's word God's commandments and and therefore we want to diligently carefully keep God's commandments and we we understand what God's commandments are as we listen to his voice so so we we hear the voice of God we respond in obedience to the voice of God and then we live according to the voice of God. And how does God speak? Listen. Do you hear Him? Well, hope most of you say, no, not hearing a thing. No, He speaks to us in His Word. I'm a little leery when people say, God told me, and then they don't quote the Scripture, They quote their own ideas or their own opinions about something. God speaks to us in His Word. And if you want to hear His Word, you've probably heard this before, but if you want to hear His Word audibly, read it out loud. That's where we hear the Word of God. It's His Word that is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I want to listen to His voice. A little homework assignment. That's not a homework assignment. It's a pop quiz. (laughs) Homework assignment means you go home and think about it. I'm going to ask you now. Do you remember... Do you remember us talking earlier about listening to God? Back, way back, in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1, we read these words Now listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform. Now I recognize that Deuteronomy chapter four was some 60 messages ago, All right, so it's probably it's been over a year ago. But but I remember that when we were looking at Deuteronomy four and we came to this direction of, of listening to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, I remember we talked about how that word listen doesn't simply mean have the eardrums tickled with some sound that's coming from this direction, that word listens, listen, means to listen with interest. To to pay attention. It's It's to listen in order to remember. Recently, a young man came up to me. And said, Pastor, uh, I really appreciated that that message. You, You did a good job in that sermon. And I said, oh, what was it about? Now we're not talking three days, a month. We're talking within 30 minutes after I got done. And I said, what was it about? Bless his heart, he says, I don't remember, but I knew it was powerful. What did that tell me? (laughs) Well, it told me apparently I got a little loud at times, which I have a tendency of doing. And so he knew that there was some passion coming from the pulpit with regard to what was being said. So his eardrums pick that up. But every preacher's desire is to hear somebody say 30 minutes later, but I don't remember what it was about. So if I ask you this morning, be ready. And what Moses is saying to the people that they're saying is this we are listening we have we have heard what you have said we're listening in order to remember And it's not for the purpose of just storing up knowledge. It's not for the purpose that if Moses asks us, we're going to be able to recite to Him what He has said. It's for the point that this needs to affect our lives. These things need to have a bearing on our lives. It's how we ought to live. And so here's the declaration of the people of God. Yahweh is our God. God. We will live by His Word. We will be obedient to that Word and we'll give attention to the Word of God. That's their declaration. But then in verses 18 and 19, we have the declaration made by God. The declaration made by God. And God's declaration is this. As you have expressed your devotion to me, I want to express my commitment to you. He is a God who's committed to His people. Yahweh today has declared, and now He sets various things before them, First of all, he declares that they would be secure. They would be secure. If you obey me, you're secure. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, you are his possession. Moses has reminded the people of God of this reality again and again throughout this message. You're about ready to take this land that's been promised to your fathers. And you're able to do that because I have brought you to this place. I have taken you out of bondage. And now I am keeping my word. This land is going to be your land because you're my people. In Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6 we read, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His own possession out of all the peoples who live on the face of the earth. You're mine. Deuteronomy 14 and verse 2. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for His own possession out of all the peoples who are upon the face of the earth. You're my possession. You will be secure as you obey My voice. Secondly, they would be treasured. They would be treasured. Again, look at verse 18. The Lord today has declared to you to be a people, to be His people, a treasured possession. They would be a people who were highly esteemed above all other nations. I think he says the same thing to them back in chapter 14 and verse 2. The reality that they are so loved, they're they're going to be treasured by God. Treasured by God. What wonderful language To, to express Yahweh's great affection for His people. You are treasured. if if i If I looked at my wife and said to her, which i I don't know if I ever have or if I have, I haven't done it enough, and said to her, "You're a treasure, you're a treasure. How would she respond? Okay, then fix your own breakfast. No, that's not how she would respond." <laughs> If I looked at her and said, you are my treasure, she wouldn't look at me and say, okay, well, you know, do your own laundry. She would respond with with a reaction that says, what what can I do for you? God looks at His people and says, I treasure you. I I highly esteem you. Wonderful language. I I find this language a bit awkward. God, you treasure me? Out of all the peoples of the earth. And it's not because you're you're mighty in number. It's not because there's something about you I just like. I, I just set my love upon you. As undeserving as you are, I have placed My love upon you. That's why they're treasured. Because He had made them. He had chosen them. And not because of anything else. It was all His doing. Thirdly, they would be a... Privileged people. They would be a privileged people. He says, starting at verse 18, The Lord today declares to you to be His people, a treasured possession, and then He sort of again reminds them, as the promised you, and that you should keep all His commandments, and that He will set you high above all the nations which He has made for praise and fame and honor. You will be a, a distinct, privileged people. Yahweh, having set his love upon you, will, will make them a people for himself who will be distinct from others. He made for praise, fame, and honor. they would be looked upon by others as a unique people unlike any others unlike any others and they would be praised and honored and by their enemies they would even be envied they are a privileged people and and, and fourthly they are to be a holy people and that you should be consecrated people separated holy people to the lord your god As He has spoken. You will be a people separated and devoted to God. That's your ultimate goal. It's to be a holy people. A people set apart from the profane, the godless world in which you live in. And you're to be set apart unto God even as you live in this world They would be His instruments with which He could bless the world and ultimately through whom would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You are a people who are secure, loved, privileged, and holy because I've chosen you to be My people. Well, if you know the story of Israel, in fact, starting next week, these final words of instruction, there's the warning of judgment. If you will not obey, what will happen? I mean, if I didn't know my own heart, but I know my own heart all too well, I would say to the children of Israel, man, this ought to be a slam dunk. God's going to give you a land that's so wonderful. You're going to have fields that you didn't dig and and wells that you didn't dig and and you're going to have houses you didn't build. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. He's going to give you victory over all the enemies. Man, go in there and just obey God. (laughs) But they didn't. They ended up living a life of rebellion. Disobedience. And would know the judgment of God. And as I said, if I didn't know my own heart, I'd I'd be going, what are you thinking? But I know my own heart well enough. And I know that I'm a rebellious, disobedient, ungodly individual. And that I can't meet the standards that God has set up. And that's why way back in Genesis chapter 3, when our first parents rebelled against God, God promised, God promised a Messiah. One who would come into the world, who would live by the standards of God perfectly, without sin. And he would give his life. to take the punishment that we deserve. And by God's grace, He sets His love upon us, those who are believers, and brings us to faith in His Son. And with that activity, He places within us now a desire to be obedient to the law of God. No one just wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be obedient to all of God's commands. Can't do it. Jesus Christ did it for us. So, so that now all who put their trust in the finished work of Christ and in Christ alone, the law of God is placed within our hearts. So that now there's a new desire. Though, though not perfect, there's a new desire to be found obedient to the commands of God in my life. That didn't happen because I've decided to turn over a new leaf. That's happened because of God's irresistible grace that was placed upon us, that brought us to Christ. So now, He is my God. Jehovah is my God. And the believer is His treasured possession in Christ. So I'm secure in Christ. I am loved in Christ. I'm a privileged individual in Christ. And I seek to be godly in Christ. So that now there's this new covenant that is made between God and His people. Jeremiah tells us about it. And then we read about it throughout the scriptures. Let's look at a couple of those. Let's, well, I'm going I'm, I'm to come back to that. But let's start with Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, when the writer of Hebrews is telling his, his, his contemporaries not, not to go back to the old customs of sacrifice and so forth, but now you have Christ. And having Christ, there's this new covenant that's made with the house of Israel, with the people of God. And we read in Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 7. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion sought for a second. For in finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the day are our coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel with the house of Judah not like the covenant which i made with their fathers on that day when i took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of egypt for they did not continue in my covenant and did not care for them says i did not care for them says the lord for this is the covenant i will make with the house of israel after those days says the lord i will put my laws into their minds And I will write them upon their hearts. And and I will be their God. And they will be my people. And they shall not teach every one his fellow citizens, and every one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. And I will be merciful to them. I will be merciful to their iniquities. And I will remember their sins no more. And when he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. Here's the new covenant in Christ Jesus where God says they who are part of that covenant, every one of them will know me. And I'll put my law in their heart so that they will be obedient to those things look over to first Peter first Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 Peter says to the people of God in Christ Jesus but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light for you were for you once were a people not a people I'm sorry for you were once not a people but now you are a people of God you are not you you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, abstain from fleshly lust, which wages war against your soul. And be, keep your behavior excellent. You see, it's the same thing. I've put my law in your heart. I've made you a chosen people. I've shown you mercy. Only by my grace this has happened out of all the peoples of the land. Now then, so live. He doesn't say, clean up your act and then I'll make you my chosen people. He says, I'll make you my chosen people. Now then, live accordingly. And dear people, if we are His... How our lives should show it. How our conduct should show it. God forbid that we cause disgrace upon His great name who set His love upon us. Do you love this Savior? Do you love this God? He says, You're my treasured possession. We say, you're my treasure. You're my all in all. And it's only because of what your Son has accomplished that I'm secure, that I'm safe, and that I will one day enjoy the glory that is yet to be revealed In closing, I'm going to ask us to do something a bit different. We're going to sing a hymn just in a moment. But I'm going to ask you to take your bulletins once again. Find that bulletin. Hopefully you haven't watered it up or thrown it away. And I want you to go back to the responsive reading of the call to worship. And I want us to, in a moment, not yet, but I want us to stand and once again do this responsive reading where we are reminded of who we are in Christ because of God's grace. So now please stand with me and let us remind ourselves of these wonderful realities. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. For the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. for Don't forget who you are in Christ. And how you ought to live. Now I ask that you take your hymns of grace. And turn over to 388. 388 in hymns of grace. We are reminded that it is in Christ Jesus. That we are secure. Because of the covenant that God made. With his people. He will hold me fast. 388.